Thank you for that. Appreciate that. And boy, what a what a great truth. And listen, you ought to be singing here on this earth. And if you're not, uh, I tell you what, if you're saved, you're going to be singing for all eternity. So you might as well just get your voice warmed up. You might as well get used to it. And uh, and listen, sometimes we do get discouraged. Sometimes we get do get down. And I tell you what, it's not easy to sing when you're down. But when you start singing, usually your frown turns around and you end up smiling because you can't help but focus on how good God truly is to us. And uh, God truly has been good to us. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. And uh, all my Sunday night people are like, wait a minute, that's what we're doing on Sunday night tonight. And you're right, and we will be back here on, on Revelation chapter 20 tonight. Uh, we're going, we've been going through the book of Revelation on Sunday nights and uh, uh, hope and pray that it's been a blessing and a help to people. And just kind of, we've been more teaching and just kind of looking through uh, the tribulation period, the end times and all of that. And uh, as I was looking at this, the Lord just really laid it on my heart to preach uh, out of Revelation chapter 20, the final judgment day. And uh, this is a very serious passage, uh, the last part of Revelation chapter 20, and we'll cover a little bit. I'll give you some tidbits tonight that we won't cover this morning, uh, but, but this morning I want to focus on that final judgment day. And it's a very important passage, it's a very important thing, and it's going to happen at the end of time. You know today, uh, people are all worried about uh, the end of the world, and, and uh, people are, are kind of thinking about those things, and uh, in reality, there is coming a time uh, of the end of the world. And I'll tell you this, that you and I are not going to stop that. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how many trees you plant. It doesn't matter uh, what you try and do. We are not going to preserve this world. It's just not going to happen uh, because God's already told us it's all going to go away. And so we know that. Uh, but listen, it becomes really important for us to understand, hey, what is going to take place in that final judgment? It's important for the world to understand what is going to take place in that final judgment. Whether they believe it or not, it is going to take place. And listen, someone said one time, an illustration, they said, um, they said, I might not understand all of the idea of electricity, and I may not understand that when I flip that switch that the lights are going to come on, and you can even not believe it's going to happen. But the reality is, when you flip the switch, hey, the lights are going to come on. When God calls for that final judgment day, it is going to take place whether you believe it or you do not. And so uh, here you have a forewarning of what is going to come on that final judgment day. Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 11, the Bible says this, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that we can look into, that we can study, God, that we can learn from, and God, we can be forewarned of things which are to come. And Father, I pray that you would use me this morning. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart. And Father, if there's one that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that you would show them their need for salvation. And God, today they would call upon you and be saved today. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, it is really quite a frightful and a terrifying scene that unfolds before our eyes. Revelation 20, verse number 11 opens and he says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on him, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And we see a judgment day that is coming. The final judgment that's been termed as well, the great white throne judgment. And with good reason, because there is a white throne and the Bible's very clear about that. And so there is a judgment that is going to take place. And I want you to understand this. Who is it that is sitting on that throne? Well, that becomes a very important topic. Uh, number one, we see who's sitting on that throne. It is the Deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in John chapter 5 and verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And so, uh, who's sitting on that throne? It'll be Jesus Christ Himself, the Deliverer. Uh, listen, uh, it's not enjoyable to have to stand before a judge. I have never done it, praise the Lord. I'm glad. Uh, I probably could have. I have got a ticket or two, and I could have taken an opportunity to go down and stand before the judge, but I did not do so. And, uh, and, and honestly, if we're being honest, probably the majority of us would be very happy to never stand in front of a judge ever. You talk about a terrifying event. Uh, there's nothing uh, enjoyable about going to a, a place uh, that you know that, uh, that they're going to decide, hey, is he guilty or not guilty? And we find in this uh, situation that these people are standing, they find themselves before uh, not just any judge, but they find themselves before the Lord Jesus Christ as their judge. Listen, what's so significant about that? That's very significant because Jesus Christ was the one that went to the cross of Calvary and, and allowed them to put the nails into his hands and into his feet and to crucify him that day. And the Bible says that, uh, that he gave up his life. 
He says, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave up his life willingly. He went to that cross willingly. He accepted all of that punishment. Why did he do that? Because he loves you and he cares about you. And he rose again. I can't leave that out the third day. Praise the Lord for that. He didn't stay dead. He, he, he uh, arose again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And why is all of that so important? It's so important because you need to understand that somebody loves you and cares enough about you to go all the way to the cross of Calvary and take all of your punishment upon themselves. And that was Jesus Christ. Nobody else has done that for you. Nobody else has, could pay your sin debt for you. There is nobody else. The Bible is very clear about that. It is Jesus and Him alone because the Bible says in Acts 4.12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm here to tell you this morning that Buddha cannot save you. I'm here to tell you this morning that Mary cannot save you. Baal cannot save you you or any other God by any other name that you may call him uh, it cannot save you we are saved only by Jesus Christ and him alone what an amazing thing now picture this so we know that Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary we know that he took our punishment of our sin upon himself and he offers to you this morning uh, a great pardon, a great forgiveness, salvation is what he offers. Now think about that. What a great gift that he's giving. That's what the Bible calls it, the gift of God. Something that he gives to us. I've used the illustration and I'll not reiterate it, but if you turn down a pardon, then that's on you. If you don't receive the pardon, then then you'll pay the sentence. That's the bottom line. Uh, I give the illustration many, I don't know, months ago. I've used it two a couple times at least about a guy that was in prison. And he had a presidential pardon that was sent to him. And he refused it. He turned it down. And he spent the rest of his time paying for his sentence. I think he died in prison, if I'm not mistaken. And what I'm saying is that Jesus Christ has written out a pardon for you and he's issued it and it's signed, it's verified, it's paid for. But if you don't accept it, then you'll take your own punishment upon yourself because he cannot force you, nor would he force you to take that pardon from him. But I find what is the worst thing of all about the judge that is sitting on that throne is... It's bad enough to stand before a judge, but it's worse to stand before a judge who has issued and signed and paid for a pardon for your life, and you stand before him and say, I don't want it. Amen. Wow. That's going to be a tough thing to stand in. And during that day, by the way, it is too late. You cannot accept the pardon when that final day of judgment 
arrives. The pardon has got to be received while you're still here on this earth and while you're still breathing because once you die, it is too late. And, and so don't think, well, once I get to that day, boy, then I'm going to ask for that pardon. No, my friend, it is too late when you hit that point to go back and try and receive a pardon. The expiration date was signed the day that you your death certificate uh, was made up and you died. And there's no longer opportunity. But this, uh, you'll stand before this judge and he'll wonder, why on earth did you turn down? Why on earth did you not receive the pardon while there was still time? And he'll judge you. And we'll see, the Bible says very clearly, according to your works. And we find that, uh, listen, there's a deliverer that sits on the throne as we see, as we look at the first part of facing the Lord and, and knowing that He will be there and He'll be seated on that throne. But I want you to notice this as well, the dread that is taking place. Look in verse number 11. The Bible says, And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Listen, I wrote down in, in my notes, you can run, but you cannot hide. You can run from God all you want, but let me tell you something, you will never get away from him. I remember the uh, account of my uncle when he was young. He had done something uh, foolish and, and, uh, and his parents were upset with him and, and they were going to punish him. And, and so he took off a running. And mom stood at the, my grandmother stood at the door and shouted out to him, you can run, but you're going to have to come home sometime. There's a lot of truth to that. You can run, but let me tell you something. You will never get away from God because even after you die, you, there is an appointment in which you will stand before God and you will not be able to get away from Him. And it's a dreaded fact. It's a time when people are not going to enjoy it. It's scary enough to go stand before a judge, but it's even worse when you stand before a judge who tried to pay for your deliverance and pay for your salvation and you did not accept that pardon boy what a dreaded day and the bible says that heaven and earth fled away and there was found no place for them uh, listen you can uh, you can try and run adam tried to hide from god and you know what god found him noah tried to run from god and you know what god found him it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter how far you go. The fact of the matter is, it is a dreaded time that you will stand before God. And, uh, and there is no uh, getting around that. And, and listen, you'll stand face to face with God. We're not talking about some mystic, uh, you know, you'll have a little cloud there in the sky. No, we're talking you will stand there face to face and see Him. And he will judge you. And it will not be an enjoyable day. It's a dreaded day. Who is there as we think about who's facing the Lord? Look with me in verse number 12. The Bible says, And I saw the dead, small and great. Listen, these are those people uh, that, that have died and, and uh, those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Um, and listen, there's no exception for kings. 
There's no exception for popularity. There's no exception uh, for, uh, for, for foreign dignitaries. There's no exceptions for those. The Bible's very clear that both small and great. In other words, it doesn't matter how important you may be on this earth. It doesn't matter how popular you may be. It doesn't matter your position of authority that you may have had on this world. Listen, the fact of the matter is, when you stand before God, none of those things will matter. You say, well, man, I'm glad I'm not none of those. I'm so small, I'll slide under the thing and nobody, I'll slide under the radar. Nobody will notice me. No, the Bible says both small, that's us, and great. Those who may have prominence, those who may have position. And he's saying, listen, everybody is included in this judgment that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They'll stand before the throne and they will be judged. And listen, nobody is going to be overlooked in that day. Everybody is going to be there that is lost. We find them facing the Lord. I want you to notice this. In verses 12 and 13, I want you to notice not only will they be facing the Lord, but I want you to notice the, just the pure facts that are given in verses 12 and 13. Look with me there. The Bible says this, and I, verse number 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And listen, uh, as we look at this, verse number 12 gives us very clear indications of a few things. I want you to notice this. I've always found this fascinating because the Bible says the books were open, plural. There's more than one book. And then we start to realize, well, there's several things that are going on there. Uh, and what are those books that are there? Well, first and foremost, I want you to know one of the books that this is just my opinion. I don't have a lot of uh, backup for this. But I tell you what, one of the books that I think is going to be there is the Word of God. The Word of God tells you what is right and what is wrong. And the Bible is very clear. And in that day, uh, listen, he'll, he'll just open it up and say, look, I said right there uh, in my word that this is clear and this is wrong and that you should not do this. And you, you willingly went against these things. And so I think one of those books is going to be uh, the, the Bible that's going to judge us. Listen, you have a Bible today. You can look right now and find out, well, what are those things that are right? What are those things that are wrong? Man, I need to avoid those things. I need to find out what, what I'm going to be judged by because the Word of God is, listen, it's important. And He gave it to us and He wants us to know. We see the documented evidence of the Word of God, not just the Word of God, but He says it two times in, this, in these two verses, verse 12 and verse 13. He says, according to their works. Now, understand this. We know this, that you cannot be saved by good works. This passage is not at all teaching or instructing, well then, you know, maybe I got a good shot. No, because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should, be, should boast. Listen, if we could be saved by works, I tell you what, heaven would be a sinful place. We'd be full of pride and arrogance. 
Well, how'd you get here? Well, I got here because I did this and that and this and that. And I lived a really good life. And man, I sinned a whole lot less than Bob did. And here's Bob. We, you understand what I'm saying? I just, sorry, Bob. I, we got several Bobs and I called out Bob. <laughs> There's no implication there. But you understand what I'm saying? Our good works are not going to get us to heaven. They're not judged by their good works to determine whether or not they're going to heaven. Their works are being judged so that the judge can clearly show them, hey, this is where you were in error. This is where you messed up in your life. This is what you have done wrong in your life. These are your sins that you have committed against the Word of God. And here's the Word of God that clearly defines what is right and what is wrong. And your works do not stack up against the Word of God and therefore you are a sinner. That's the bottom line. Listen, the reality of it is every one of us are sinners. Every one of us have committed sin against God. That's the Bible truth and that's something that we know and we understand that, hey, uh, there's going to be evidences. There's going to be the book, the Word of God that is going to be laid out and say, hey, this is what is right and this is what is wrong. There's going to be a book, hey, that perhaps they have detailed every detail of your life. How could they do that? I didn't write it. I'm not God. But I tell you this, if God wants it to be done, he's got enough angels that they could just write it all down. It's not impossible for God. And every one of us have, a, have some form of deep, dark secret that, listen, we wouldn't want anybody on the world to know. In that day, it's going to be revealed. Every detail is going to be known and you're going to be standing before uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and there's not going to be an excuse that you can offer up. There's not going to be a single word that you can say to justify yourself because the evidence is going to be portrayed. The books are going to be open and they're all going to be on display right there so that you can understand. I'm lost. Sometimes we convince ourselves that we're not that bad. And we think, well, I'm okay, and I'm not really that bad, and, and after all, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. Well, that's kind of the problem. Everyone else is a sinner, too. We're all lost. And we find that it's not going to be enjoyable because uh, the, the, the evidence is going to be documented. It's going to be written down, and, and they're going to know exactly uh, what has been done. Have you ever, uh, have you ever seen the... the um, a video or whatever where you have a, a kid and, and maybe he's caught cheating on a test or he's caught doing something in school and, and he's so I didn't do that and I didn't do that and eventually what do they do? They bring out, because now we, we live in modern days, you know, and they just bring out video evidence. Well, here you are looking at her test, writing down the answers and he still denies it. Listen, we'll, we'll try and deny everything. We'll try and cover up everything. Man inherently does not want to look bad to other people, much less to God. But in that day, the Bible's very clear that everything has been documented. The books are going to be brought out. And listen, we're going to be, they're, they're going to be judged according to their works. And everything's going to be displayed very clearly. And we find 
the documented evidence are going to determine the facts. And everyone that day is going to be condemned. It's just facts. And listen, uh, there's not a scale to determine if your good works outweigh your bad works. That's not what this is about at all. That is a lie from Satan. You won't find that. There's nowhere in the Bible... This is the closest passage that comes close to it, and it doesn't even come close because it's very clear it's dealing with lost people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. This is the closest passage. Your works are not going to be stacked up on one scale, and a lot of people believe that, and your bad works on another. I'm just telling you that, that all it takes is one sin against God, and we've all committed that, and we're all labeled sinners. I'm just showing you the facts from the Word of God. We see that they're going to be facing the Lord. We see the facts that are going to be delivered and they're going to be documented and they're going to be laid out. But I want you to notice this as well. The Bible says uh, there in verse number 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. We, find, we see the final sentence. Listen, this is the only time that they will get out of hell. And it's to stand before the judge and be condemned for their sins. That's not an enjoyable time. And then they'll be cast into, the Bible says, the lake of fire. We see the detainment in hell. Let me just say this. Most modern Bible translations translate this word right here in verse 13 and 14 uh, as Hades. And, and can I just tell you, the King James Bible is right, it's hell. I, I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because they want to lessen the effects of, of hell. They don't want it to be that bad. But the Bible's very clear, it is hell. Uh, you don't see people running around and, and saying, well, go to Hades. You don't see people running around and saying, until Hades freezes over. You don't see people saying that stuff. Why don't they say that? Because Hades is some weird concept that we don't even really fully understand, to be honest with you. It is a Greek word that was brought over into English. It is not an English word. The English word is hell. It's been around since the 1600s. And listen, all of those phrases, you know why they say them? Because hell is a real place. It's been around for a long time. In the English language, we understand what hell is. It is a place of torments. It is a place of heat. It is a place that is undesirable for anybody to go to. And so there's nothing wrong with, with putting hell right in the Bible because that's where it belongs. And we understand that. And he says here in verse number 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead. Let me just explain to you for a moment. A lot of people will say, well, Hades was the temporary holding place. Well, throw out the word Hades, and hell is a temporary holding place. But can I tell you this? You go back to Luke chapter number Number 16, and the Bible says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. A little bit later he says, uh, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And so hell is a temporary holding place, but it's just as bad as being in the lake of fire. 
There's no difference. So there's no need for a new term. And it's kind of like this. Uh, listen, if you get arrested uh, and you get hauled down, you know where they put you? They don't put you in the comfort inn. They don't put you in a Motel 6 even. You know where they put you? They put you in a jail cell. And it's a holding place until you're prosecuted and until it all is determined that, hey, you are guilty. And if you are guilty, then off to prison you go. They both have bars. They both are not comfortable. Neither one of them is a place that you want to be. Well, that's kind of like hell. Hell is a place of torments. It's a place of fire. It's a place that people go immediately after they die. There is a place that they go. And they'll stay there until judgment day, the final judgment day, when God will call them up and will judge them according to their works and say, hey, listen, you are just as guilty as I thought you were. And now your judgment is the final sentence, the lake of fire. And what I'm saying is, uh, listen, there is a detainment in hell, and there is torments there, but I'm telling you this, that, uh, that the Bible's very clear that the lake of fire is also a place of torments. And I want you to notice this in verse number 14, the death that comes. The Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Notice this, the Bible says, this is the second death. What's the first death? The first death is physical. That's when, when the body dies. Listen, ever since Adam, man has been born and man has died. Man has been born and man has... If they talk about being overpopulated now, can I tell you what? If there was no death, we would be severely overpopulated. I couldn't even fathom how... how we wouldn't even be able to move. But that's the course of life. And by the way, death came about as a result of sin. And because of sin, there is death, and there is disease, and there is thorns, and there is all of the problems that we have in this earth. And I'm just saying that, hey, it's a physical death. And listen, even believers will die that, that, that physical death. But as a believer, the difference is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know for sure where we're going to spend eternity. Well, none of us look forward to the actual process of death, but we don't fear death because after that, and we're going to heaven. We're looking forward to spending time with the Lord. We're looking forward to being with Him. We're, we're looking forward to that. That is not a fearful thing, but for the lost, listen, and those who do not know what death is, uh, listen, they're fearful because they don't know what's coming next. They don't know what's on the other side. I, I heard, uh, uh, it was not too long ago, some famous person, I don't remember their name, but uh, some famous person, and, and they were asking somebody else, and, and they were saying, well, what is, what is after death? Isn't that a curious question for one lost person to ask another lost person? And they said, well, that's, that's it. It's the end of life. You just don't live anymore. Boy, that's what the devil would like you to believe. That's what the world would like to promote. After all, I mean, that sounds really pleasant because then you don't have to answer for anything that you've done in your lifetime. You don't have a given account for how you've lived your life. And that sounds like a very nice answer, but can I tell you this? It's not Bible and it's not real. There is something after death. 
And the Bible's very clear about that. It talks about a heaven. It talks about a hell. It talks about a final judgment day. And I'm just saying that uh, you don't just go to the grave and that's it. There is more because the Bible tells us very clearly, hey, that one day he's going to take death and hell and he's going to bring them up and he's going to place them before him and he's going to judge them according to their works and they're going to stand before God and give an account for their life. Listen, the second death, as the Bible says right here in verse number 14, is a permanent death. It'll be locked away in the lake of fire for all eternity. How do you know that? Look back with me in verse number 10 of the same chapter. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's a long time. Listen, if you live to be 80, 90, even 100 years old on this earth, was the oldest person in the world, 105, maybe 110, I'm, I'm not for sure. But, but if you live 110 years old, man, you lived a, a wonderful life. That is a long time. Can I tell you something? It's not a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. Amen. The Bible is very clear that life is short. Even at the longest amount of years that you may have. Your life is short, and eternity is just that. You can't even comprehend it. It will continue and continue and continue. And in the lake of fire, there will be torments. There will be the devil. There'll be the false prophet. There'll be the beast. What a great company to be with. And there'll be torments and fire forever and ever without end, is what the Bible is saying. And that is the final judgment. That's the judgment day. That those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior have to look forward to. I'm glad verse number 15 is written in there because the Bible says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How do you get written in that book of life? How do you get your name written down? Listen, it's, it's about... Asking Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior while you're here on this earth. It's about trusting Him as your personal Savior before it's too late. Oh, I'm young. I'm going to put it off. You don't know how long you'll have. You could die at 20 years old. Death is not a respecter of persons. You don't know how long you'll live. Nobody, nobody in this room knew that they would make it to the age they're at right now. Nobody did. And you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You better be prepared today. Because the reality is we don't know how long we have. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. and Father, we thank you for the forewarning that you give us about the final judgment day. God, I don't, want, I don't want people to stand there. 
I don't want my friends to stand there. God, I don't want my family to stand there. God, I pray that you'd help us as Christians to be concerned about our families, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. God, maybe there's somebody here this morning that does not know you as their personal Savior. And they're destined to stand there that day unless they trust you as their own personal Savior. Oh God, I pray that today they would not turn down the salvation that you offer to them so free and so rich. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can, show them their need for salvation. God, I pray that you'd move and work as only you can. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano's playing, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Preacher, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. But I want to today. Why don't you slip out of that seat where you're at? Come down front and we'll have somebody take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. We're not going to embarrass you. We want to help you. I wouldn't let embarrassment stand in the way of eternity. I wouldn't let embarrassment stand between me and suffering for all of eternity if I were in that condition. I'd say I want to know. We'll just take a Bible and we'll have somebody show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. There is nothing more important than making that decision and trusting Him as your personal Savior. As the piano plays, the altar's open. Some have come and there's still time, there's still room. Maybe you just want to pray for your family. Maybe you want to pray for your friends. Maybe you want to pray for your co-workers. Maybe you want to pray that God would use you as a witness and as a tool, as an instrument to reach others with the gospel. The Bible's pretty clear. That is the final judgment day. That is the day that ends all days. I don't want people to stand there. I don't want people to, that know me, say, I wish you would have told me. I wish you would have witnessed. We need to be praying. We need to be reaching. We need to be witnessing. And if they stand there and I've prayed and witnessed and that's their choice. It's sad. I don't want it for them. But I can't make people receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. As the piano plays,